Hey, it's Leadership Line Podcast, episode 12. Uh, Cruise control is set. Current speed is 71 miles per hour. A little bit of talk going on right now about uh, how the United States economy opens for business. How they open things back up. I think the East Coast and the West Coast states have kind of joined together to say, hey, we're going to open this thing up under our terms. They've kind of, uh, West Coast governors have said, Oregon, Washington, California, we're going to work together and come up with a plan and, and do a, uh, a phased opening of the economy. There's no no dates set to that yet, and it's it's really no parameters to that. And then there's, I believe, six states on the East Coast, uh, and, and their plan is to work together to roll to roll out some kind of a phase reopening of the economy uh, in their states as well. So this is something that we're going to hear more about in the coming weeks and months, I'm sure, and it's probably going to start to even eclipse um, the talk of the virus itself as people debate uh, the benefits of lifting the restrictions versus uh, keeping the, the lockdowns and the quarantines in place. But I kind of want to just talk a little bit about that, you know, about how the quarantine has affected us. And, uh, you know, now that we've had a, a taste of being locked down, uh, what are we willing to do to come out of it? I heard a, a saying today, and I don't I haven't really thought too much into it, but the saying is that... Uh, A quarantine is for sick people. When you so basically, if you restrict the movement of a sick person, it's called a quarantine. Restricting the movement of healthy people is called tyranny. Interesting. Um, so I thought I'd throw it out there. It's. Uh, You know, we've seen other uh, other countries and as they've tried to lift their lockdowns and and the what they've put into place to try to go back to some semblance of a normal life. And they, you know, they're still a long ways from it. But uh, in China, they've they have a a smartphone app that everyone's required to have on their phone. And it tracks, it tracks their daily movements. It allows the government to uh, see that. Sorry about that, I'm back. Had to take a phone call in the middle of that. So there's no real good way to take a phone call in the middle of 
recording this and then try to get back on my train of thought. So just a reminder that this whole thing is being recorded while I'm driving to work on my iPhone and phone calls will mess it up sometimes. Uh, I was talking about China and uh, how they've tried to open up their uh, country again. And one of the things they're doing is uh, requiring a smartphone app for people to, I believe for all people, or maybe or people in certain cities, and it, it tracks uh, people that are sick, it tracks you know, where they go, makes, it allows them to make sure that they stay in their homes, that they're in quarantine. Um, but what it also does is using, using cell phone data, it allows, um, well, you know, let's say someone does become sick, they can take that person's cell phone data and work backwards and see who they've come in contact with. So, you know, if you're Joe Blow in China and you, you know, would get a knock on your door and say, hey, it appears that you spent 12 minutes in contact with, in close proximity to a person who's tested positive uh, for coronavirus, and now you need to be in quarantine also. So I think that kind of brings up an interesting point, you know, is that something that anyone in the United States or I'm sure some people would, but, you know, as a whole, the people in the United States would accept that kind of uh, intrusion to our privacy. Um, you know, would Americans as a whole accept the idea of having their movements be tracked and, you know, their, their disease status be... Um, tracked and and known. I don't think so. I don't think that that is uh, it's not something I would be interested in. And I think that uh, a large portion of the population would feel the same way. That that's not something that they would allow but let's say that uh, that's one of the stipulations if uh, this lockdown is not to be lifted until some type of a, a tracking system is in place would people give up that uh, that liberty that freedom to be able to go back to some sort of normalcy. I don't know. I doubt it. I wouldn't. They're talking also about uh, contact tracing. Uh, just having mass testing. Potentially testing people every two weeks. And then anyone that has a, a positive test, you know, tracking their movements. You know, if they didn't do it by uh, cell phone data, that would be pretty tough to 
have any accurate. I mean, you would be able to do immediate family members and people that they work with, things like that. But I think it would make it pretty tough to be accurate on that. I don't know. Um, I feel like there is a leadership vacuum right now as far as where we're at in this the stage of this whole coronavirus thing right now. President Trump has his agenda, which is to get America open for business and, and working again. And the East Coast and West Coast governors, you know, they, they have a, a definite incentive to to get their states you know, opened up and, and working also, but I would say the timelines are very, very different from at the, the federal level to the local state level. You know, I think Trump wants this spring to open things back up, and I would be, I would not be surprised if we are still in this lockdown phase in midsummer. You know, my, my kids' orthodontist appointments just today got rescheduled for July 15th. So, you know, at some level they have some knowledge of what this thing's looking like, how it's going to play out. I say we have a leadership vacuum, but it's not like I have. It's not like I have the answers. I think there's a lot of people that have suggestions or or potential paths forward, but there's no great options. You know, I, I still have a tough time. grasping the scope of this crisis and I still have a tough time I guess appreciating what it is and I'm skeptical you know in 2018, the CDC estimates that 80,000 people died from the flu in the United States. Granted, that was supposedly one of the worst years in many decades for the United States. But last year, a lot of people died from the flu also. Uh, There's wide-ranging estimates for the actual number of people died but you know it was significantly less than 40,000 but it's a lot more than the coronavirus deaths but I think what's interesting is flu deaths 
for this flu season are down. And you got to kind of wonder why. Why are flu deaths down this year? And I think it's an acceptable question to ask if because of the lack of testing are coronavirus deaths are flu deaths being counted as coronavirus deaths I don't know and we hear a lot about the uh, the mortality rate of coronavirus being so much higher than the flu. So, you know, if you look at the number of people tested versus the number of people that have died, the number of people that have tested positive versus the number of people died, yeah, it's high. It's higher than the flu. But you need to be objective when you look at that and look at the number of flu tests versus the number of coronavirus tests and you know obviously the coronavirus tests are the number of people being tested is is not even in the same ballpark as the number of people being tested for the flu so the tests don't exist yet so we may find out that a significant number of people have coronavirus way more than we think have it right now and that mortality rate will drop and you know it could drop a lot then all of a sudden where does that put it in perspective with the flu if the mortality rate aligns closer with that of the, the seasonal flu Where are we at then? When you figure in 2018, 80,000 people died of the flu. I don't know. So, what do we do? How do we get back to some sort of normalcy? How do we get the economy back open for business? my thought and remember I'm a blue collar moron who doesn't know much about anything but I can give my opinion my thought is if you're under 45 years of age you go back to work immediately if you're under 45 years of age and you manage a restaurant, go back to work, open that restaurant. If you're under 45 years of age and you work at a hair salon cutting hair, cut hair. If you're under 45 years of age and you work in a non-essential business that's been shut down, open those businesses up and staff them with people under 45 years of age. Do that immediately. And if you're under 45 years of age, 
Go out to the restaurants and eat. Get your hair cut. Get your nails done. Go shopping. Do what you do. And then let's get testing for the 45 to 65 year old range. Let's test the people that have the antibodies who have already had it, have some immunity to it, and they can go back to work. That's gonna allow us to get some portions of the economy moving again. All right, I'm back. That was phone call number two, messing up my flow and messing up my train of thought. It must mean it's time to end this thing because I'm getting long-winded. Um, oh yeah, my plan, my rollout. So if you you have the people that are under 45 back to work, you have the people that are 45 to 65. 46 to 65 um, being tested for immunity, antibodies they're back to work that buys time to you know I mean a couple different thoughts it buys time for some sort of a vaccine or a drug but it also um, buys time for our hospitals too if uh you know, the vast majority of the people that are young are not requiring hospitalization. The hospitals would not be burdened and then we could, you know, just based on the timeline of whether a vaccine or a drug or some type of a treatment is available, then, you know, the, the 65 and older could move on with their lives too. But I don't know. That's my thought. It's a it's a way to get things moving again, and uh, I think something has to happen because college football season's coming, and there's a lot of depression that would happen without a college football season. In my thoughts, anyway. Anyway, that's all I got. Um, I don't believe it's going to roll out that way. I think that it's going to be a long, drawn-out process. It's going to take us through the summer. And these restrictions are going to last for through this year and into next year in some form. I think we're going to get some non-essential businesses open, but uh, these restrictions on gatherings, number of people that are going to affect concerts, sporting events, and stuff are going to continue and unfortunately I think are going to affect where we're at uh, into the fall and probably into next year unfortunately anyway that's all I got drive safe and Lord bless